Who's the first to protect our land without compromise? Tamacycle, the first of its kind ecological net wrap and baler twine made with recycled content. Contact your local dealer today and start baling for a better tomorrow. Tama, always first. Hello and welcome to this Over the Farmgate Policy Special Podcast, brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host this week, Farmers Guardian Chief Reporter, Abby Kay. Don't forget to stay up to date with all Farmers Guardian's latest podcasts. Subscribe through your favourite platform, whether that's Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher or Acast. This week, we're taking a closer look at the state of rural broadband across England. For well over a decade, there's been talk of a digital divide, with people in cities enjoying access to high internet speeds and reliable connections, while those of us living in the countryside get neither. I'm sure lots of people listening to this podcast will be familiar with the buffering wheel of doom, which stops you from streaming, downloading, uploading, and even sometimes just browsing the internet. I know at my mum and dad's house, they struggled to even use Netflix until very recently. But of course, there are more important reasons to be connected to the World Wide Web than Netflix, with more and more vital services moving online every year, whether that's making a GP appointment, accessing government support or banking. So here with us to discuss the impacts the digital divide is having on the rural economy and what more can be done to improve the situation, we have Tim Bonner, Chief Executive of the Countryside Alliance, and Selene Saxby, Conservative MP for North Devon and Chairwoman of the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Broadband and Digital Communication. Selene, I'll come to you first. Can you just give us a general overview of the current broadband situation in England? Where are we now with coverage compared to where we were, say, five or ten years ago? Yes, according to Ofcom, 95% of UK premises had superfast broadband available as of September last year, which is up just 1% on May 2018. Now, that what that means is download speeds of at least 24 megabits per second. However, whereas 97% of premises in urban areas have access to superfast speed, only 80% of those in rural areas do. And so whilst the picture is gradually getting better, it's not getting better quickly enough, and we cannot let rural areas get left further behind. Um, and I think it's also important to note that superfast is slightly misleading, um, and it's better to focus on gigabit capable. So superfast is just 24 megabits per second, yet gigabit capable is more like 1000 megabits per second. Um, so, you know, when the Prime Minister came to power in July 2019, only 9% of UK premises had access to gigabit capable connections. Now it's more like a third and the target is to get to 85% by 2025. So as I say, things are getting better, but we're certainly not there yet. Although I am delighted that your parents are now able to watch Netflix. <laughs> as are they. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're the chairwoman of the APPG for broadband and digital communication. Do you want to give us an idea of the kind of work you're doing on trying to get rural communities connected as part of that group? Um, recently, we've launched an inquiry on how reforms to the Electronic Communications Code, or ECC, could help um, to boost the deployment of full fibre broadband in rural and urban areas. So I've mentioned that the government's target is 85% gigabit capable coverage by 2025, yet without reform, it will be significantly harder to hit. Um, so the ECC sets out the rights about the installation and maintenance of electronic communications networks. So at the moment, it's 
most of the um, providers of the technology don't believe it goes far enough in terms of operating those providers' access to land and property. So without reform to the code, millions of constituents across the UK, both in multi-dwelling units um, and those in rural areas, could be left behind. Um, so the, um, that inquiry is ongoing, and please do contact my parliamentary email if you'd like to get in touch and have your say. Um, and we also locally, we have had successes by contacting uh, major suppliers of um, gigabit capable broadband to install at schools who were experiencing exactly what you were describing with the circle of doom. Um, but that is down to sort of on a one to one basis, having to contact major suppliers to get these things installed. And so we do need a less piecemeal approach um, to enable rural connectivity to happen. And how will you feed those findings into the government then? So I meet regularly with the minister responsible for broadband, Matt Warman, and um, he's aware of this inquiry. And we're trying to make sure that then dovetails into government policy um, and ensure that people understand sort of the differences in terms of what's on offer. Because some of the um, private suppliers who, um, like Jurassic here, have done a fantastic job at getting gigabit capable broadband going past many rural places. But it's important to recognise that that's slightly different to something like an open reach service, which would enable you to use whichever supplier you want um, to provide your broadband as opposed to Jurassic at this time you can only get Jurassic services down their gigabit capable facility so it's a quite a complicated technical area but I am feeding back in um, the APVG findings and also as other MPs come to the APVG with concerns about patches of um, uh, you know not spots in their constituencies. Tim, we know that the government has recently announced that 2.2 million homes and businesses are set to receive a major connectivity upgrade as part of the latest Project Gigabit update. Can you tell us a little bit about Project Gigabit and give us your thoughts on whether you think this latest announcement goes far enough? Well, if you're one of the 2.2 million uh, homes, I think you'll, you'll, you'll be very positive about this announcement. And uh, I think it's about 26 counties where the, where the rollout's been, been revealed and you know, you know where you are, who's going to get it, where you're going to get the fast access. Um, and 5 billion is a, is a chunk of money. There's, no, there's absolutely no denying that. But, but I do think we have to take a, a bit of a step back because um, you know, whilst, um, you know, whilst we all understand that the that uh, infrastructure development is difficult. There was a commitment in the Conservative manifesto in 2019, essentially for 100% coverage uh, of fibre rollout, and we, you know, there were there were quite a lot of raised eyebrows at the time about that commitment. Um, but the, you know, and that has been watered down now, and we're now talking about 85%. And 85% is a big number, but. You know, if you are part of a you know part of the rural community, you know, fifteen percent of uh, of the entire population is going to take up you know a, a significant chunk of the countryside, uh, and there will be continuing concerns as 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 there have been through the history of of uh, of, uh, of internet rollout. You know, if we go if we go right back, but the the fifteen percent that miss out, the, the the people who don't get it early, the people who will have most difficulty accessing. Um, uh, the, the new full fibre technology will be those in in the most remote uh, locations, obviously. But even in relatively, um, uh, you know, high pop, highly populated rural areas, you know, there are still plenty of places where where we're struggling. You know, people are struggling on copper. Um, you know, and then the thought of uh, full fibre is a, is is you know is miles away. So I think there is, especially after the the extraordinary eighteen months we've just been through the the. The, the reliance, the huge reliance that we've all come to, to give on our on our on our, our internet connection, um, you know, the the, the 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 Zoom culture, if you like, and the the, the post COVID 
changes in the economy, the fact that people want to be working at home. You know, is 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 the is fibre going to be rolled out? Are people going to be able to? Is this you know an opportunity we can take for rural communities to 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 bring fresh blood to you know to to have jobs, people able to work in the in in, in the places they they live uh, and you know to, to stop the flow of, of younger people especially moving out of rural communities or, or is the is this infrastructure challenge going to be too much and um and I, you know i have to say for me you stand back and you're looking at the money that's being spent on hs2 for instance which you know, you could argue you could argue is is uh, 20th century technology um where whereas you know can, and compare that to the investment being made in the in the 21st uh, century technology that we're discussing today for full fiber broadband and and i hope we will see a level of commitment to uh, this infrastructure rollout that we are seeing to 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 other infrastructure rollout that's an interesting comparison we are going to return to the impacts that the pandemic has had um on connectivity but selene just before we do that what are your thoughts on this is project gigabits ambitious enough um, I think it's absolutely right that the Chancellor has made a £5 billion commitment to support the rollout of gigabit-capable broadband to the hardest-to-reach areas of the UK. Um, and as you say, more than 2 million hard-to-reach homes and businesses will benefit as we push towards 100% coverage. And certainly the conversations I've had around the 85% have been that that's more of a minimum rather than a maximum target. But what I think is important to focus on in terms of things we can do now is the gigabit broadband voucher scheme has been relaunched, really which gives an additional 210 million in eligible rural areas immediate financial help to get gigabit speeds so a number of communities here in my own constituency of North Devon have already successfully applied and this is something villages can do themselves if they're not happy with where they are in the sort of timeline of broadband rollout villages can apply to for their vouchers and work with the big providers um, such as Openreach's community fiber partnership scheme and enable them and their community to apply more rapidly for um, gigabit capable broadband so the two-pronged approach i do think will help and i think for many rural communities using their vouchers sooner may well speed up um, the broadband rollout in their communities tim we all know that there are places that are difficult to reach with good broadband can you just tell us a little bit about what the obstacles are in those areas why is it so difficult to get them on the grid so to speak well, I think, I think the main problem with full fibre is just physical in- infrastructure, and of course, you know, it, it's, it's about distance, and it's about it's about you know digging stuff into the ground, uh, and and you know, we, we all, it, it is fairly obvious to everyone that if you live in a high density um, population area like a city, then it's much you know it's much easier um, to get to to get that physical infrastructure to to every house. Um, I, I think you know, there has been some discussion around the the electricity communications code and 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 the the ability of, of providers to to access um, you know access farmland to uh, in particular uh, to to lay to lay uh, cables to, to get that fiber in um, you know I believe it is more com- you know there, there are fewer alternative routes in many situations as far as the as far as uh, as um, uh, reaching some rural communities are concerned and there's always an, an enormous balance and it's a balance my membership uh, and your readership Abby I'm sure uh, and our listenership would would, would would want us to keep between um, you know uh landowners absolutely having having um yeah having a right to be compensated properly if people are if uh, infrastructure is being laid across their land but on the other on the other side understanding that you know that that if if uh, if 
uh, companies are not able uh, to uh, to access uh, the direct route to, to to rural communities, and that's having a really significant impact on on uh, on large numbers of people in some cases. So, yeah, that discussion, the discussion, I'm sure that Selene is, is involved in, I think, is going to be an important one in making it uh, in making it um, feasible um, for, um, for 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 um, providers to reach as many people in the rural community as possible. So, when do you expect we'll have 100% coverage across England? And do you think things are moving quickly enough to reach that goal? Um, whilst I support the government's ambition to accelerate the rollout of gigabit capable coverage to get as close to 100% as possible, um, and it's great that we've gone up to where we have, I do think there is more to be done. And when we talk about levelling up for rural communities, it is all too often about broadband. And so um, I would like to see us get there faster if we can. And I know the industry would like to get there faster if they can. And it is tackling some of these blockages in the system. Um, and also, I, I believe we need more engineers to enable some of this work to go ahead um, as well as getting access to the right people so it's um vital that we do get there and I, I wouldn't want to put a timeline on it but I would like to say we are pushing very hard and I think some of the schemes that are coming through do facilitate sort of blocks of people to come in and in response to Tim's point about those very hard to reach individual properties with the um voucher schemes if you do pull together your own community fiber partnership um, I'm certainly being told and I'm very happy to people to come back to me if it's not the case that in rural communities that as the fiber goes through the village for out very hard to reach farms and individual dwellings if they're able to dig down the trench to the village where the fiber is going past the fiber will then be connected up to their farms because often it's actually easier for the farming community if they have the right equipment to dig the trench than it is to have engineers trying to get up to hard to reach areas so there are solutions in place and i think it is just all of us pushing as hard as we can to move those blockers at this time to get everybody connected even if we get to the point where we reach 100 coverage are there still going to be big differences in speeds and reliability across the country selene is that an issue which is going to be a problem into the future I think with any technology, there's always going to be differences um, and we will obviously continue to look to level up broadband speeds in different parts of the country. Um, and gigabit capable coverage is the gold standard for now, but who knows what new technology is around the, the corner. And so I think it's vital that we, we keep talking to the industry and working with them to make sure they are aware of issues. Um, and for example, my coverage here today in North Devon is significantly better than it is when I'm back in um, Westminster. So <laughs> it's, it's not always about rurality when it comes to the quality of service and many MPs do have these not spots within their constituencies where things haven't been built with new builds going in for example so it is vital that we continue to work with the industry to ensure that everybody does gain this access. Tim what impact is the current disparity in broadband coverage having on the rural economy? I think it's really quite significant I mean first of all we we talk a lot about the UK's productivity issue as a whole we're told that as a nation we're less productive than other countries but but um the figures suggest that if you take the, the rural urban divide within within the uk that that uh, rural business is 16 percent less productive um than, than urban ones and and i think you know it, it, 
I don't think it would be any surprise to any of us if if a, a significant part of that 16% isn't down to the, the, the real struggle that many rural businesses are having in communicating, uh, and especially um, with, with, with broadband issues. So, yeah, there's a, there's a sort of starting point there where we've already got a disparity in terms of productivity. And we've done a, we did a piece of work with, um, with GigaClear, um, uh, which we published a couple of months, uh, last month, uh, looking at the, uh, the impact of, uh, of um, internet access and, and, and uh, improved internet access on, on, on businesses. And, you know, um, it was by far, I think 85% of, of, uh, of businesses described their current internet as being either poor but manageable or unmanageably poor. You know, it's about, about equal numbers, well, rough, roughly equal numbers. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's a, you know, that, that's a, a, a really serious issue, especially when we're looking at the changes in, in, in culture and the culture of work and where people want to work from. And if you have a situ- situation when, where you know, a, a, a significant number of people we talked to said that they were having, actually having to resort to going to go to the local Starbucks, basically, to, to, to get enough Internet access to do their to to to, to run their businesses. Um, so I, I think it is having a really um, you know, significant impact. And, and sadly, and this is a great challenge and it's, it's easy to be critical. And I'm not you know, you're simply being critical of government because to use another 20th century analogy, it's a bit like painting the fourth road bridge. And as soon as you get to one end and some of the people will want more they want more access because the technology is improving and there, there, there will be greater demands but there you know but this is a you know you know the, the single biggest issue we you know when we talk to our members when we talk to, to rural businesses um you know, we're, um we're, this is the single biggest issue that people people raise with us by by far in terms of of rural life and community and it has so much you know the potential you know the potential is so great but it has as, as elaine knows very well from her own constituency um you know, has such a knock-on effect in terms of the of the sustainability of rural communities and what those rural communities look like if if you're, you know, the difference being able to run um, run a business uh, in that community, or having to, to move out of it, or commute out of it in order to uh, in order to do that, and and so we shouldn't just be thinking about this in purely economic terms. The 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 you know, the, 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 the social impact and the whole the, the whole dynamic of rural communities it will increasingly become determined about what businesses can operate there, and, and the businesses that can operate there will be determined by whether or not you've got. Uh, the, the level of, of of access to full fiber we're talking about, and I'm sure in the future, whatever people want next. Um, so it, it is. We, we I don't think you can overestimate the importance of this discussion, this debate, and the investment, you know, and this the investment the government's putting into this um, in terms of the, the future of rural communities. Well, that leads on quite nicely to my next question, which was about the impact on rural people and you know potentially their access to vital services. Is this something that your members have been reporting as an issue? Yeah, uh, absolutely, and yeah, it's, it's yeah we, we we think in terms of business uh, quite often in terms of that, but 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 the but the, the the transfer, the understandable transfer of nearly all services online, and and Abby, you you'll, you'll know better than anyone the, the struggles of some some in the farming community of trying to. Trying to form fill and uh, you know on- online, uh, you know it's 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 a nightmare situation for for for, for many of them, um, and that is you know that that we know increasingly is repeated across every every part of our lives, um, and on the one hand. Um, uh, technology and the internet has a, a huge opportunity to to make it possible for people to to continue to live and uh, and um, in in remote communities when 
you know, in more remote communities when it was when it might have been difficult to do otherwise. But but on the other hand, if that if that technology it, it doesn't work because the because internet access isn't up to it, then um, then we 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 end up with a two tier system, not just not just an urban. Uh, rural divide, but I think increasingly, as as, as Slane mentioned, you know, in some parts of the countryside, you know, access is fantastic, um, uh, and and in others, I mean, I I'll be in Caithness next week, next week on the north coast of Scotland, where where you know, you can you can do anything. <laughs> Frankly, they've got brilliant internet access. There's four G everywhere. I mean, I mean semi semi suburban rural Hertfordshire at the moment um where i struggle desperately with with broadband and the, and the phone signals absolutely die so it's it, it it's it's it is not just a question of a, it's not well it's not i don't think it's a question at all about the urban rural divide it's about you know it's that not spot divide it's whether you you end up in a community which doesn't which doesn't have access and and it will challenge the sustainability of some of those communities especially in more marginal areas Selene, do you have any thoughts on the impact that the digital divide is having on the rural economy and rural people? The reason I got involved with the broadband APPG is because it's such a high priority for my constituents here in North Devon. On the doorstep in 2019, it was the number two issue after Brexit that was raised with me. So I committed to them that I would do what I could, which is why I am spending a lot of time at Westminster working on this to see what we can do. Um, I agree entirely with what Tim said, that actually it is a real, real problem and that my farmers do constantly raise it with me and have raised it directly with their ministers when they've met with them. Um, And it is something that unfortunately is prevalent across much of rural Britain. Um, And as Tim rightly says, if you're lucky and get it, you're you're, you're lucky rather than it being sort of the rule. And I think it's also important that sort of mention they're made about 4G and also now 5G coverage. And that I think we do need to be realistic about some of our very rural communities, about what type of solution may be available and that there are already um, improved 4G and 5G solutions coming through that may actually work work better in a rural location than just waiting for the fibre. So I think it is trying to really reach out and see what solutions are coming through because there are many um, and many, many of the companies involved are very, very keen to let their technology um, come out into the rural rural spots that we've been talking about today. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we know people want to move to North Devon. We know people already here want to work from home. Um, and as we move towards net zero, I think it's absolutely vital that people are able to do that and reduce their reliance on having to drive to get to places if you can do more of those basics from home using a good broadband connection. Discover your new favourite harvest playlists. With all the tracks chosen by growers, Bayer's Harvest Beats playlist on Spotify includes Combine's Roll, a mix of classic tunes to get you singing the harvest in, while the After Dark playlist keeps you motivated and alert with upbeat tunes and classic anthems. Check out Bayer for Crops UK playlists on Spotify now. We all know the pandemic has fundamentally changed the way we do things. We touched on this briefly earlier. We've been living our lives online almost for much of the last 18 months or so now, whether that's meeting people recreationally on my least favourite platform of all time, House Party, or working on Zoom or Teams or any of the other programmes people have been trialling. Has this way of living exacerbated the existing digital divide? And in what ways? Tim, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, it has. I, I did, if, I, if I could, I did, I did pick up on one of Selene's points, which is really important about about how how we get access. You know, and and 
yeah, the issue you know, we were talking about full fiber and gigabit technology, the rest of it. But actually, you know, when we, when we talk to businesses, you know, a, a large number, especially over the last eighteen months through the COVID period, have you know they they bought a four G router or they've paid for a satellite internet connection. They don't actually mind how they get it; they just need access. Um, so there are you know there, there, there are various solutions, especially for those in the very remote. Um, uh, uh, places the hardest to reach places we all understand that there's a, there's going to be a range of solutions and and it might not be driving a 10 mile trench uh, for, with, with fiber it might be it might be using other technology um and so that comes back to yeah that comes back to the, the point over the last 18 months where people have been looking for looking desperately for, for for anything that works frankly because i i haven't tried house party abby but um but you know not 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 one of my not one of my normal ones but certainly the joy of teams zoom and what else which we've all yeah we've all grown to to both rely on but also loathe over the last 18 months um yeah that the the digital divide becomes it becomes very obvious and again it's not always rural and urban but you know on a on a, on a monday morning countryside alliance call there are always you know several people who i know will be will have their screens um you know, won't have the camera on Zoom, camera on teams because because their internet connection is so bad that they that the whole thing conks out if they do that um and you know some of those are in you know ones in norfolk um, but others are in you know in, in more suburban areas so it is you know it has had a big impact on us um and i think you know we, we can look back to the to the to the importance of of connection through the last 18 months but frankly the, the important thing you know, the, the most important thing is that we look forward uh, and we look to um a different way of working which is yeah, it won't be for everyone, but I think for, for a lot of people, um, they will want to be. Um, they, they will want to be working more from home. And in order to do that, they will need consistent um, uh, internet access. Um, and as I said earlier, that you know, this, you know, we, we can either look at this as a challenge um, or we can look at it as, 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 as a huge opportunity. And I think for rural communities, it's, it's an enormous opportunity to change that you know, sort of inevitable trend about you know, the demographics of uh, of rural communities that it's about older people and if you want to be if you want if you're young and you want to get on you've got to move out and you've got to go somewhere else well but we, that might not be true anymore um and that will bring all sorts of challenges um uh, but including those around ensuring that you know that that, that, that every um community has the opportunity to to, to to have people there who are who are working who are running businesses from home who are who are bringing you know uh, both both money into the rural economy but also bringing people in hopefully you know changing the as i say that that the sort of feeling of inevitability about aging rural populations so um you know we we should be looking at we should be looking at the provision of of uh, full fiber and uh, and uh, you know, reaching every every community as a, as a huge opportunity for for refreshing uh, and reinvigorating uh, rural communities. And so, like, what impact do you think the pandemic has had? Do you think it could have exacerbated social problems like loneliness, that kind of thing? That's obviously a real concern. Um, and I know that the providers of broadband have worked very hard where we've had isolated communities. I think one of my big concerns is what's happened with some of the younger generation and their education. And the schools, um, certainly here in North Devon, have done a fantastic job, many of them bringing um, youngsters in to school where they couldn't get broadband at home once we're headed into the second and third lockdown. And it does really concern me that I've still got schools coming to me with broadband issues um, because we do need um, the next generation to be able 
able to access education. And I think this has really highlighted how poor broadband has been in our rural communities, um, but also how schools have been able to champion it and get connected. Um, and I hope communities also will do, because the more we ask, this does become a demand-led problem. So that actually, if we are all asking for broadband and people are setting up community fibre partnerships, it becomes clear that the community wants those services and an improved connectivity in their community um, and therefore suppliers because they are businesses at the end of the day are far more likely to move into those communities so I would urge communities to apply for the community fibre partnership route just because it does register that there are people there who are keen to get faster access um, to broadband at this time. And has the pandemic slowed down the broadband rollout programme in any way, just because there have been fewer workers available? I mean, I noticed on um, the, the Ofcom website where it talks about the legal right to request a decent, affordable broadband connection. People were being directed to the BT and KCOM websites because there were fewer people available to handle requests as a result of coronavirus. Is that an issue? I think like everything, um, there will have been problems, but I know that the uh, broadband teams did work tirelessly throughout the pandemic and there have been some dreadful instances of them taking abuse whilst working out in communities. And I think it is really important that they are able to continue their work. Um, and my understanding is that they are now working flat out. I'm not sure about, can't speak for individual offices, but now that we are all free to go back to work, I'm sure that pe um, employers will be making sure their offices are COVID compliant so that we can and get back connecting the country as quickly as possible. So we've talked through some of the problems now. Tim, what do you think the government or, or broadband providers for that matter can do to improve the situation now? Well, I think there's a, there's a sort of overarching um, uh, question about where, you know, what is government's role in the provision of this? Um, and and I did make the comparison earlier between between HS2 and and. Um, and, uh, and and broadband rollout, and I think this yeah this whole infrastructure question, um, we seem to be yeah we, we we are working on the assumption that 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 um, the market will essentially meet this with support yeah with obviously with support from the government, but that, but that it's not a it's not a yeah that that, that it, you know, we wouldn't expect. Um, communities to come together to um, to fund um, even with government support to to organise a, a a bypass round a round a village or a new rail line yeah you know, or something like that. Whereas we are yeah there is still a the, the, the mentality of uh, broadband provision is still that it's you know it it, it it's not wholly you know a a a, a a a purely a responsibility of the treasury if you like um, and I do wonder whether that's something that. Yeah, we we should be having a broader debate about. We we have the critical questions which we're discussing today about how we you know, you know the, the current schemes and the funding that's coming in for the government and all the rest of it. But but you know, whether we you know, whether we should actually be standing back, especially in the light of the last eighteen months and 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 the way the way COVID, I think, and we could all be wrong. We could all be back in exactly the same situation that we were two years ago in, in, in not so long. But uh, you know, I do think that. Whilst it's not going to be revolutionary, that the world's going, the world of work is going to evolve. There's no doubt as a result of COVID. And should we be actually standing back and considering whether whether the right way to to deal with this is is in the same way as it would be to to build a railway or to build a road or anything else? That this is a fundamental infrastructure issue, and we just need the government just needs to get on and do it. Frankly, um, and you know we we. We, we are, you know, I, I understand fully. I think we all understand the, the complexity of the situation, as we've talked before. The fact that demand will be unceasing because there will be people will always want will, will want more as soon as we finish this time. But I think there is a, you know, there's a question for the future and, and how 
how we how we develop um you know in in yeah, the, 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 the infrastructure as a whole, whether whether there should be more, whether the government should be taking more responsibility, should be should be you know t- taking on the the the, 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 the tackling the you know tackling this from in, in is in a slightly different way, um, but beyond that, I think yeah, uh, as I said earlier, the yeah the, the great thing is opportunity, and I, and I do know that the, you know from many discussions with Celine and her colleagues and ministers and everyone else that there is a full understanding of the importance of uh, of this um, pro- of, of this project and future and uh, internet provision projects and in terms of uh, the, the future of rural communities, the future of the countryside, uh, and and making business work. Uh, in 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 the countryside which is the most which is you know critical for for all of our futures so Lane, would you agree with tim there and do you have any other thoughts on how we could improve the situation i think tim raises some very interesting points and certainly my infrastructure asks for leveling up here in north devon our broadband broadband and more broadband please and um, and i th- think you know that message is getting through that we're not looking for a hs2 up here but i do also slight, perhaps slightly disagree that you know the reasons that many bypasses are built are because communities shout very loudly that they need a bypass to protect their town um, and i think the same is also true we are seeing extensive uh, open reach particularly have really expanded their rural rollout certainly here in North Devon and I believe other parts across the country which is in response to increased demand for those services so um, I think there is a lot going on in government and there's a lot quietly going on behind closed doors with ministers talking and coming up with the best way the whole outside in approach was making sure those hardest to reach parts of the communities were being connected and so I think there is an enthusiasm to make this happen and it is now just working out the best way to get fibre and gigabit capable broadband into all of our homes. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Salim. But I, I think there is, you know, I think we 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 need to be honest. Though, that the the, the the comparison with the bypass, I take your point entirely. But the, the reality is, once once governments accepted the case for a bypass, we don't then hand someone a voucher and tell them to go and get all their get everyone in the village to sign up and then we'll build you a bypass we just get on and build the bypass and that's my point really and, and uh, i you know i accept entirely and i agree you know undoubtedly your colleagues and, and ministers understand the, uh, the, the the importance of this i think there's you know, my, my point really is just there's a mindset difference um which is perhaps you know it's rooted in history and what governments have been responsible and what they what, what they haven't entirely been for uh, and perhaps you know, uh, in the longer term, uh, a change in 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 thinking on that might might help this process as well. A very interesting discussion, and one that I'm sure could run and run, but I think that's about all we have time for this month. So, thank you to both of our guests, Tim Bonner and Celine Saxby, for a great discussion. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the show. We will, of course, be back soon with more. But in the meantime, why not subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate? Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.